Christy, you have to come with me. Um, what are you talking about? Aren't we about to record an episode? We need to get back to the good Earth, Christy. The real Earth. Uh, yeah, you're gonna need to maybe be a bit more clear here. I'm the Chris from Earth 2017 from when we just started this podcast. I've been observing this Earth for some time after my timeline collapsed. Uh, wait, you're... You're not my husband? Uh, where is he? I sent him an anonymous email that there's a pop-up hot sauce shop opening today. He'll be gone for hours. Yeah, that that's a good scheme. I've been seeing the abominations you've been doing to the podcast. Covering several issues at once? Recurring bits? A consistent release schedule? You can't admit this is better. Uh, no, I definitely can. It, it's way better. Plus, 2017 is really not much better than now. If you were like Chris from uh, 2015, we could talk. Fine, if you won't see reason. Hey, Christy. Oh, man, I really nailed that guy with the door. Who's he? Uh, you, from another universe. Another one? Ugh. You're telling me. Well, I guess we need to wait for him to wake up. Wanna talk about comics? Yes. I'm Christina Edelman. And I'm Chris Edelman. And this is Chris's On Infinite Earth. The podcast where nothing will ever be the same. Welcome, readers, to our first episode covering Infinite Crisis. Yeah, unfortunately, we have to cover this for the rest of the podcast, as since it is infinite, it goes on forever. Yeah, that's all we get to do. Yep. Infinite Chris's on Infinite Crises. I really think that we should have maybe covered some other stuff first, but unfortunately we've gone infinite. We're in a loop? A, a loop? A loop? It's weird, though, because then we meet in the middle. Mm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This is going to get really complicated. You're going to have to up your bit game. Oh, no. <laughs> well, anyway, Infinite Crisis is, in fact, seven issues, so it's going to take us... Two episodes to cover. But um, you can listen to them infinitely if you want. Yeah, just put them on repeat. It'll be fine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, Christy, before we get into any sort of uh, comics business, I think we have some um, podcast business to take care of. We do. We have an iTunes review to shout out. A five-star one, of course, because anytime you review the podcast with five stars, we will shout you out and read out your review on the show because we are vain, but we also love you. Yes, this one comes from Sirgon, or Sirgon, who gives us five stars. And uh, Sirgon says, a podcast tough enough to review the big dot 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 dot. Yeah, and then for some reason we can't make it bigger. Uh, we tried. We can't we can't read the rest of the title, but... What what sort of things? Review the big ducks. <sighs> the big turtles? We did mm. touch on turtles. We did touch on turtles. <laughs> the biggest turtles. The biggest... Mm, yeah, they are, they are probably the biggest <laughs> turtles. Uh, but Sirgon also says, Chris and Christy are helping make these big event books a little bit more digestible. It really helps. 
Thank you, Seargon. Yeah, uh, considering the amount of time I put into today's summaries, I hope it helps. Oh my gosh, DC summaries. God bless you. God bless you, Chris. They won't always be this difficult. The crises are just specifically very complicated. Why'd you have to go and make things so complicated? I kept waiting for you to interrupt me. You didn't now. Nope. Nope. Sing it, Avril. (laughs) That was one of my first CDs ever. I think the first CD I bought was... No. What was the first CD I got? It's probably something from the Beatles. I was a real classic rock child. Oh, no. I think I got like Avril Lavigne, Britney Spears, and Christina Aguilera all in the same go. Whoa. As like my first CDs. Those are, that's an interesting, like Britney <laughs> and Christina together kind of makes sense. But the, you have a little punk streak with the Avril. Yeah. You know, I was just really into those lady icons in the early 2000s. Indeed. <laughs> All right. But speaking of Chris just doing amazing work with summaries, maybe we should get into our summaries. If you insist, summary. Infinite Crisis 1 through 4. Written by Jeff Johns, penciled by Phil Jimenez, George Perez, and Ivan Race. Inked by, prepare yourself. Andy Lanning, Marla Alkiza, Wayne Fotcher, Norm Ratmond, O'Claire Albert, Mark Campos, Drew Jurassi, Jimmy Palmiotti, Larry Stucker, and George Perez. Colored by Jeremy Cox and Guy Major. Lettered by Nick J. Napolitano and edited by Janine Schaefer and Eddie Berganza, who we don't like. First things first. There are people infected with nanotech who have been transformed into OMAX, which are identical robot-like creatures wreaking havoc. This whole plan was masterminded by Maxwell Lord, who, right before this series, was killed by Wonder Woman for mind-controlling Superman. The aliens of Ran and Thanagar are battling it out in space and encounter a massive rift in time similar to those seen in Crisis on Infinite Earths. Jean Loring, former love interest of Ray Palmer, is transformed into Eclipso. By forces. She manipulates the hostless Spectre into destroying magic because it's evil, I guess? Spectre kills the wizard Shazam and blows up his house, the Rock of Eternity, scattering evil personifications of sin all over Gotham City. The DC villains have formed The Society, which is a big old team up of bad guys. Now, as the comic starts, Batman and Superman confront Wonder Woman in the ruins of the JLA Lunar Watchtower about the big old murder Wonder Woman just did. She is unremorseful. Nightwing and the other members of the Teen Titans observe Omax wreaking havoc in his home of Bloodhaven. Connor Kent almost lends an assist to the situation, but decides against it. He's having a crisis. Lowercase c. The Legion and the Green Lanterns attempt to assist with the situation surrounding the Ranthanagar War, only to have no help from the Guardians of the Universe, who are just having a big ol' think. Captain Marvel lands in Gotham, which is overrun by villains and demons. The Freedom Fighters caught a lead on some members of the Villain Society at an abandoned refinery and are attacked by them there. The Freedom Fighters are handily outmatched by the villains, and several members of the Freedom Fighters are killed. Black Condor, Phantom Lady, and Human Bomb. 
Mongol has been waiting in the Watchtower and attacks the Trinity. Wonder Woman nearly finishes him off with her sword, but Superman stops her, leading to Mongol's escape through a teleporter. The three argue about the nature of heroics in a pretty mean way. They go their separate ways, but watching over them from another dimension are Earth 2 Superman, Earth 2 Lois Lane, Superboy Prime, and Alexander Luther, who are ready to intervene on this fallen Earth. Issue 2 Animal Man joins other heroes aboard New Cronus, Donna Troy's sweet ride-slash-pad that is floating through space, while hero Airwave is in agony hearing all of the transmissions from the Ranthanagar War. Power Girl is attacked by several members of the society, only to be saved by her cousin, Earth 2 Superman. At the Daily Planet, Lois and Clark overhear about the deaths of the Freedom Fighters, and Superman decides it's time for action. The Society reports back to Lex Luthor that they lost Power Girl and that they're struggling to find a member of the Marvel family for a mind-wiping machine that Luthor is building. Luthor demands that they find Black Adam, but as we zoom out to the Arctic, we see the real Lex Luthor confused about his own whereabouts. The Society Luthor is an imposter. Earth 2 Soups brings Kara back to Alexander and the rest, where they explain the situation by recounting the entire tale of Crisis on Infinite Earths. They theorized on how Kara survived, but also talk about how the new combined dimension has become bereft of hope. Kara regains her old memories by touching Earth 2 Lois's hands. Earth 2 Superman literally punched his way into this universe, which is completely wild. He explains that their heaven universe was dying because his wife Lois is dying as well. Booster Gold arrives in the past, finding he is too late to prevent the destruction of the Justice League Watchtower, but tells his robot Skeets to locate the scarab of the late Blue Beetle. The Joker kills the Royal Flush Gang, angry that he is the one villain that hasn't gotten an invite to the society. Batman manages to get in contact with Brother Eye, a satellite surveillance system he created to gather information on metahumans. It has gone rogue through intervention by Maxwell Lord and created the Omax to fight renegade metahumans. Now the Omax are fighting the Thymoscarans, including Wonder Woman. Earth 2 Superman further explains to Power Girl about how awful this Earth is, saying it needs to be replaced by a better Earth. Earth 2. Issue 3. The citizens of Atlantis are doing battle with their enemies in the briny deep when the Spectre appears to fight both forces. Wonder Woman and the Thymoscarans are not having an easy time with the Omax when Wonder Woman makes the difficult choice to remove Thymoscara from the realm of man and put it under the god's protection. Poof! It's all gone. Power Girl is somewhat accosted by Superboy Prime, who demands that she help bring back Earth 2 to save Lois. He also seems to be particularly mad at this universe's Superboy for not doing enough. He then gives PG Lois's journal, and she leaves to have a think. Batman rails against his inability to stop Brother Eye when he is visited by Earth 2 Superman. This Superman tries to give him the Earth 2 sales pitch, telling Bruce about the version of him who got married and had kids, proving that Earth 2 is way better than Earth 1. 
Bruce asks Supes if Dick Grayson is better on Earth 2 than on Earth 1, and even Cal, capital L, has to admit Dick is always a good boy. Chunks of the Rock of Eternity fly as far as El Paso, Texas and do some major structural damage. The magical team known as the Shadow Pact arrive to help, but some major assistance arrives in the form of Earth 1 Superman. Meanwhile, though, Blue Beetle Scarab is found by Jaime Reyes, an El Paso teen. The Flash has to leave his wife and new baby twins to go stop some tornadoes in Kansas City. Thanks, Flash. The heroes in the center of the universe are, uh, still dealing with that. It's not interesting, honestly. The real Lex Luthor finally confronts the fake Lex Luthor, but the fake one overwhelms him with his Theta brainwaves. Batman tries to use kryptonite to fend off Earth-2 Superman, but Earth-1 kryptonite doesn't work. Superman burns the ring off his finger and pieces out. Only for Batman's download of the black box data from the last moments of the Watchtower to finish. Real Luther manages to smash up the fake's computers, which reveals that it was a hologram-disguised Alexander Luther all along. The imposter calls in Superboy Prime to dispose of Real Lex, but the villain teleports away. Power Girl returns to the hideout but discovers a large tower, reminiscent of those the Monitor used back in Crisis. It seems to be made from the corpse of the Anti-Monitor, as well as the unconscious bodies of several heroes, including Martian Manhunter. Superboy Prime knocks out Kara, telling the now-present Alexander that he knew she wouldn't help. Alexander says she and Earth-2 Superman would help them, like it or not. Simultaneously, Batman sees the black box footage, only to discover the destruction of the Watchtower and kidnapping of Martian Manhunter was done by Superboy Prime. Issue number four. The Society drops the large biological weapon villain known as Chemo on Bloodhaven, causing an incredibly huge chemical explosion. Power Girl wakes up strapped into the machine, and Alexander and Superboy Prime explain that they've actually been coming to Earth for months, and they precipitated all of the bad stuff leading up to this event to make their scheme easier. Specifically, making the Space War, which moved the center of the universe to the exact location of Earth 2's center of the universe, allowing the evil tower to be able to open a portal. Making the Spectre destroy magic, while instead making it raw and easy to access to power the tower. Taking command of Brother Eye, making the Omax, and also using Brother Eye's AI to be able to remap the universe. Bringing together all the society for bad guy stuff. Kara is not thrilled with this, especially considering they're using Earth 2 Superman. But before she can object too much more, Alexander uses a kiss to knock her out. What a creep! Dick arrives at Bloodhaven horrified at what has happened. Batman arrives to ask for his help, telling him that he couldn't possibly stand the radiation and to leave it to those who can. Superboy Prime shows up in Smallville to confront Connor Kent because he's very insecure. They have a big old fight which spills into town. Connor is joined by the Doom Patrol, the Justice Society, and the Teen Titans. Things get pretty weird as Superboy Prime starts to get enraged and accidentally kills several heroes. He is grabbed by the Flashes, who run him away from the fight. Jay Garrick's tendons start to tear and he has to duck out. Wally West kind of spins out and starts to be transported to another dimension. He appears before his family to say goodbye, but his wife Linda grabs him and her and the kids are pulled in too. 
Kid Flash is alone against Superboy Prime before the deceased speedsters, including Barry Allen, grab Superboy Prime and plunge into the Speed Force. Jay Garrick then declares the Speed Force is gone. Psycho Pirate makes Black Adam, who is also plugged into the tower, say Shazam, which powers it up. In the center of the universe, the portal grows larger, and where one Earth once was, now there is two. Earth 2 Superman and Lois stand in Metropolis outside the Daily Star. Earth 2 has returned! Wow, I feel like we just ran a marathon. That was a long, that was a long summary. Yeah. Now I'm starting to remember why we did Crisis single issues at a time. Oh my gosh. It was, it was a time. It was a really hard time. So <laughs> I bought this a few years after it had, it had come out, but I didn't know there was any lead up to it. Oh, I'm so sorry. I was a confused boy. <laughs> yes, of course. I mean, I was confused, and I knew that, like, if I wanted to, I could go back and figure out what happened, but I figured if I read long enough, some of it would start to make sense, and parts, parts did. I'm sure some of the lead-up matters to the DC universe, but it kind of doesn't matter to this crossover, because regardless of what everybody's motivations and stuff is, it all kind of turns out that it was it was Superboy Prime and, Lex, or and Alexander Luther the whole time for everything. Right. So I didn't see the point in covering them. Right. No, I mean, that, that totally makes sense. That tracks. I was totally... The, the, the Thanagar War, I was like, yeah. oh. <sighs> This seems like it's a big deal, but also not central to this plot. It's just like the DC version of the Kree Skrull War, I feel like. They just picked some alien guys. It was caused by Superboy Prime apparently throwing planets into other planets, mm-hmm. which is that's just rude. One of one of the my least favorite things about big line-wide crossovers is that you don't really get like a point of view character. Yeah. That it's it's just so big and expansive. Like, I feel like you don't get a through narrative through somebody else's eyes. And I I don't like that. I'm sorry. That's, uh, woof. We, uh, we sure did a, uh, did a podcast concept that, uh, definitely is going to revolve I mean, around not that. I mean, sometimes it really works, but there's just so many storylines here that I don't feel like you, at least within each of these little plot threads, you kind of want a point of view character. And I'm like, yeah. I don't. It's just more like stuff happens. Yeah. They're like, this is, this is this event, this thing that's happening. And we're going to, it's going to get one page and we're going to put as many characters on here as we can mm-hmm. because we can. Because we can. And, you know, we, we'll sell more copies if we put all the characters in. Right? That's how this works. <laughs> Sometimes I feel like DC events are an opportunity to put random characters in that they just haven't used in a while, and then someone can kill, kill them. <laughs> My gosh. Yeah. <laughs> this is an especially brutal one. Uh, Superboy Prime kills some random heroes. Oh, it just it reminds me of that uh, scene from the, the Addams Family where, uh, do you remember the movie where they like, it, it? it's like a fake play that they put on, but they just spurt. 
blood, like this ridiculous amount of showering blood spraying out of bodies. Yeah. And that's just kind of what that whole page felt like to me. <laughs> I was like, did this comic come out after the uh, the premiere of the Tarantino movie Kill Bill? And I think it did. And I'm like, that makes sense. <laughs> I like that I went Adam's family. And I went Kill Bill. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's a bunch. I think the closest thing to a point of view character we have is Power Girl. Mm-hmm. I'm going to talk more about that later. Okay. I've got I've got thoughts. You've got thoughts on I've Power got Girl. Thoughts, but we'll come we'll come back to it in the accolades. Okay, okay. Mm-hmm. You didn't you don't want to discuss Power Girl any? I mean, we we can discuss Power Girl, but Power Girl is a point of view character. I want to. I've got I've got some stuff. Power Girl was in a weird spot at this point where it was like originally she is Earth to Supergirl. Like if you read Power Girl in the right. 70s or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then later they couldn't do that. So they kind of made her like someone who thought she was Clark Kent's cousin, but she's actually like descended from an Atlantean. Uh they did all this to theoretically simplify everything. But then they they like DC has like the narrative, but then they also have like a meta narrative of like the narrative of narratives and it just keeps coming up and you think like they're doing something to solve something, but it's actually just like another kind of story. Like crisis was supposed to solve the pre-crisis stuff, which Mm -hmm. I think wasn't necessary, but that's what it was supposed to do. And then for a while we kind of had that sort of stuff. We had the, the crisis in time zero hour which was supposed to solve like a few things that were kind of wonky but in general there was like one earth and they were like we're just going to do one earth from now on but then you get these people who are finally writing comics and when they were kids they liked the stuff with all of the different universes and they go well how about we bring that back it's like somebody's done a really poor job of like patching a broken leg. Like it started out as like a hairline fracture. Mm-hmm. They put on a cast and somebody's like, no, now we can take this off a little bit early. And as they smash the cast off, they just like further break the leg, needing like more. It, and it's just never going to heal. Right. No, now, now it's just completely wonky. They've had, they had a crossover once called recently called convergence, which is where characters from these different meta narratives all kind of have like a battle world thing like in secret wars like you have pre-crisis superman and like legion from zero hour and like the wonder woman from the flashpoint timeline are all together and it's just it's like peak dc because they're like hey not only do we do stories but we do stories about continuity I just want to be like, stop trying to make continuity happen. Well, it's, just, <laughs> it's like a more complicated version of like Doctor Who, where Doctor Who has a story, but there is also like a timeline within Doctor Who. But then things about that will mess around. This is like that, but more complicated. <laughs> and it looks like they're going to continue this. There's a there's an, an initiative rumored in 2020 that's called 5G, which I, I think they they I it doesn't have crisis in the name. No. I am hearing. No. <laughs> no but I think the whole deal with it is 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 going to be they I think it was at New York Comic Con. They put up this like really low res image that they were maybe not supposed to put up of like a timeline of the DC universe. But it's oh. gonna be like Batman and Superman appeared in like the forties and that's just set in time now. And Wonder Woman appeared in like the teens or something and it's like set in time now and they're going to try to do these five generations hence the 5g 
Okay. Yeah. Sure. They they yes. Whereas Marvel's like never done anything like this. The closest we people thought they were going to do it with the 2015 Secret Wars, uh-huh. and it was just like it's a new universe. It's it's the same as the old one. The Ultimate Universe is gone, which you might think that that means the multiverse is gone, but it's it's not though. It's just <laughs> the same Marvel thing. <laughs> Uh, so props to DC for, uh, I guess, trying these sorts of things. But they, I, at this point, they can't tell me that it's trying to simplify things. Just tell me that you're trying to do weird DC stuff, and I'll I'll take your word for it. <laughs> it's like sitting in a bad professional development meeting where they're like, here's the next initiative that's going to solve all the problems, and it's going to make everything work. And just wait until next year until we announce the brand new initiative yeah, that's going like to that. solve all the problems and make everything work. This year it's binders. Next year it's tape recorders. <laughs> what do you mean we did binders six years ago and gave it up after a year? <laughs> tape recorders. <laughs> Everyone gets stuffed animals. <laughs> Everybody takes a stuffy to class as their comfort animal. Popcorn is freely available in every every classroom. Oh my gosh. I could see that being really great in some classes. And then just a nightmare in others. The poor poor janitorial staff. Yeah. Yeah. The custodians. I don't know. The kids would get really sick of popcorn. And then they would just sit. I never worked in a movie theater. You'd but I imagine you'd hate popcorn. I worked in a pizza place and I got sick of pizza. <gasps> <laughs> uh, readers, you didn't get to see Christy's face, but she did like the the uh, surprised <laughs> Hobbit child face from the very first Lord of the Rings. <laughs> All right, well, back to this comic. Yes. Um, did you know any of the characters that died? Um. Or were they like very much like so tertiary? Okay, okay, let's let's go. I feel like I knew Phantom Lady from something, but like not comic. Was she in a cartoon? It is possible. I don't. Know. I don't know. The Freedom Fighters she, are very much like your. I remember the Freedom Fighters from Crisis. I remember mm-hmm. like Uncle Sam. Hard to forget Uncle Sam. Uh, and Human Bomb. You remember I, Human Bomb? I remember Human Bomb. Yep. Poor uh, Human Bomb. Yeah, and then who? And Superboy Prime rips up people from the 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 Teen Titans. <sighs> my my lack of DC knowledge is going to show from one, some of those groups. At that point, the Justice Society was very large, and it didn't just have old people in it; it had young people too. And mm-hmm. then the Doom Patrol was kind of different than like like the Doom Patrol lineup that you and I would know from like the show or like me from Morrison's mm-hmm. Run. And the Titans were. A bit different than, like, your cartoon titans. Mm-hmm. It, it's interesting, because they were all characters that seemed like they were enough on the fringe that maybe their deaths would be permanent. And they might they might be. DC sometimes just uses these opportunities to kill someone, and if people don't care about them, they don't come back. Right. This I mean, was like an X-Men thing, too. Like, sink and skin, apparently, at the at some point in time, people decided that they, they didn't care enough about them, and it took forever for them to come back. Right. So... But I don't, That's, I've never heard anyone complain about these particular characters going. Maybe. Which kind of like creates the question are, are, is death more impactful when it's characters that nobody cares about? Because it might actually be important. 100%. Like, death means nothing to Wolverine. Death right. means everything to Phantom Lady. Even Phantom Lady, I feel like, is semi popular. Although, 
Phantom Lady has had a a completely wild history. At some point, somebody thought they could just publish her because she was in the public domain, and it turned out she was only kind of in the public domain. So Phantom Lady's been published by, I think, like at least two or three different comics publishers before like kind of landing on DC. Okay. <laughs> yeah. That's fun. Yeah, you should you should look up an article about her. And then for a while the one that was that was picked up by somebody and then they were like worried they were gonna get sued. But there was like the copyright was amorphous. They changed her name to the Blue Bulleteer. I don't know how you get there from Phantom Lady, but at sure. the time she wore a blue dress instead of kind of the green thing. Oh, okay. Yep. Well there you go. I guess that's how you get there. That's how you get there. <laughs> but she was kind of a golden age character, so just to some extent I think mm-hmm. she has a cool and storied history. More so than like your human bombs, who has a super cool power, which is like if he takes off his his like suit, he's just like an explode man. <laughs> right. That was that was a big plot point in Crisis, wasn't it? Him being an human a, bomb did something. An big? explode man. Yeah. Not that I remember, but maybe he did. Uh-huh. In this, he is like the most clearly the most powerful member of the Freedom Fighters. He like blows up a couple of villains. Right, but is not of any use against Bizarro. Well, Bizarro is basically Superman. So. Right. Just like Frankenstein, Superman. Yep. Zombie zombie Superman? No. No. He's from like an alternate universe called Bizarro World that's like the right. Earth is a cube. He just looks like a Frankenstein. Yep. Um, th- this was upsetting to me because he always talks in opposite speech. Oh. And so he says, no more pretty lights. But he should have said like, like many pretty lights or something. Well, did killing him make lots of pretty lights? I don't think so. <laughs> okay. I'm just upset because it, I feel it like was, Jeff Johns was... forgot, forgot how Bizarro talked. And maybe in this era he didn't talk that way, but mm. like, me, I'm not greatest hero Bizarro is like a thing he would say. Now, characters that I really didn't know who died, I, I did not know the, the, the pack of cards or whatever the Joker killed. Oh, the Royal Flush Gang? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know them too much either. They seem like a lot of fun, and I was like, "Oh, is there some backstory? You know, because there's a Joker, and then the 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 cards, the characters are they are they connected? They, I feel like they should be. One would think <laughs> it was it was kind of a it was an interesting sort of like poetic, you know, the Joker taking uh, out the other cards. Uh, yeah, yeah, I liked it, and I liked that the villains didn't want didn't want Joker to join their club. <laughs> I feel like in all of these crises, crises, the Joker gets like completely sidelined, considering he's supposed to be such an important character to Batman. Yeah, he did in the original Crisis. He, I don't remember him showing up at all in Final Crisis. Maybe he does. Hmm. Yep. Putting Joker in his place. Correct. Get out of here, Joker. Mm-hmm. You you might win an Oscar this year, but you're not you're not as important as you feel like. <laughs> you are in a leading villain in Infinite Crisis. <laughs> <laughs> That'll show him. <laughs> I did not expect the return of our of our banished Earth Two and Earth Prime uh, friends from Crisis. I I just I didn't see that coming. Really? Almost, so it gotcha. It it did it did when I was. Like, ah, Superman's, like, punching through. And I did not see the heel turn from Alexander Luther and Superboy Prime. I did not see that coming. I don't like it. But also, it's their whole deal with them being sent to Heaven Dimension is we don't know what to do with them now. 
Right. And so they just get to go off to character retirement. I, I don't know. If you were stuck with four people in heaven and like two of them were in love and probably like getting it on all the time, like what? How, it would probably <laughs> turn you to villainy. I'm just saying. But Super Boy Prime is like eternally like a 13 or 14 year old. Well, he's probably supposed to be a little older. Maybe like. I don't know, he's like an eternal teen. Eter- right. He is stuck for an eternity oh. in heaven. <laughs> I mean, you know, eternity with nobody by your side is no eternity it at all. It was supposed to be like a perfect universe, though. But then they made it seem like the only thing you could do was watch Earth 1 TV. <laughs> right. Like, it just seemed like a glass box where you watched Earth 1 and Lois and Superman had a bed. Yep. But kind of looked like one of the beds from the the Superman movies, which is like weird and crystally and kind of circular. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I I can't tell you what my mental state would be like after I don't know how long in that that little little crystalline prison. Well, you know, like but I don't know, like five years because like how long has actually time passed since crisis technically? I don't know. I guess we'll have to check out the timeline. When 5G comes out, whew. I don't know if they're going to put Crisis Happens, Infinite Crisis Happens on the timeline, though. Oh. Did you like the Phil, the Phil Jimenez art? Yeah. I I really... I've never had a huge like art gripe with DC events. I feel like things are generally pretty... They're generally pretty to look at they're nice this came out roughly the same time as our last crossover maybe a few years apart but not not a ton with messiah complex this is you know for being like kind of bloody and also like i feel like it's it's really heavy on the dark lines Mm -hmm. it is brighter and less sticky than a messiah complex yeah definitely does not commit those same crimes uh when you look at like the the grid where you can see all the pages you can definitely see all right this is an amber page this is the this is our this is our blue wash they're very like washed page wise Mm -hmm. in terms of the coloring but you don't get that high contrast sticky feeling that you got with messiah complex so i think I I think the art in that way works better for me. But it's definitely a dark comic. Oh, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This was this was weird for me to read because I grew up on a sort of lighter, friendlier DC in the form of like the Warner Brothers cartoons. Yeah, I feel like that was what my thoughts about DC were. The cartoons, the theme park by me was all DC themed. Right, because you lived by a Six Flags. Mm-hmm. And so it was, it was all, all fun. I don't know. And this is, yeah, this was, a, this was a dark era for DC. And I, to Which some it extent, seems like it's a meta argument about the darkness within DC at the time. No, this is definitely trying to make the statement of like, of like addressing concerns that things are too dark mm-hmm. within the narrative. And I, I think the, the, uh, message is eventually going to be like, I don't know that it's that you can still tell good stories or like not all is lost. It's weird though. Cause Jeff Johns will kind of make the same argument like back and forth mm-hmm. in doomsday clock. He basically makes the same argument. And then he also wrote DC rebirth, which is definitely making a statement that like sometimes the good old, you can have some stuff from the good old days. And it was like an indictment of the new 52 as being like this dark time. Mm. 
and we needed to go back to like a gentler time. But like he was also kind of one of the architects of New Fifty Two. So it's he was trying to work it all out for himself. I guess. I think that DC editorial, which has remained roughly static for a long time, just keeps these like somewhat violent cycles. Mm-hmm. And like it's weird. There are times where I like adult adult style um, DC comics. I, there's a a Batman uh, black label that's come out recently called mm-hmm. Last Night on Earth that is like a post apocalypse, and that's kind of dark, mm-hmm. and that's fun. But like my favorite books at DC right now are like Superman smashes the Klan, which while it has like dark material as in like racism, it's very like bright and optimistic. Mm-hmm. And I also love like Legion of Superheroes, which takes place in like the bright future where like a very excited Superman's son Jonathan is going to join all these future teens. Mm-hmm. Like I I cannot do dark DC. I can at times. Their magic books are cool, but like. It's just weird to me that at the beginning of this, the superheroes are having an argument where they're like, Clark, you can't inspire people anymore. You're a bad Superman. Bruce, you're paranoid. Wonder Woman, you're a big old murderer. Yeah. I feel like my taste in terms of dark versus happy comics or brighter or more hopeful comics, I think is probably a better way to put that. The darker comics or the more hopeful comics Mm -hmm. really kind of depends on the world. At large, <laughs> fair. I like. I don't want a dose of what's happening in the world in my. Co- is- Not that I don't want like political commentary or positive like stances being taken, but like when the world feels dark and hopeless, I don't want to read dark and hopeless. I want to get some hope for my comics. This is fair. This is like how uh, in tw- in uh, late 2016, I just suddenly stopped watching Black Mirror after I had like just gotten into it. I was just like. I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> oh. So, I don't know. Are are things going to get more more hopeful? It has a hopeful ending. Oh, hey. To Yay. some extent. Yay. Um this leads into a story, well, we can talk about it on the next episode. Yeah. Um but this this is it's going to lead into what I think is supposed to be a hopeful story. But again, DC does these cycles. Like you remember reading Flashpoint. Flashpoint is I think like two or three events after this one. Mm-hmm. And it's another like, let's go to a world where everything's awful. It's a pendulum. It is. Everything. Everything's a pendulum. <laughs> Time. Time is a flat circle. <laughs> exactly. You got it. That's a big bow. <laughs> All right. On that note, are we ready to move into our accolades? As long as I can do the rest of this podcast in my Matthew McConaughey voice. <laughs> All right, all right. Accolades. <laughs> Never mind, I'm not doing it. <laughs> all right, Chris, what is your best line? So Superboy Prime, we didn't talk about it much, but he's very jealous of Superboy. Oh, yeah. Because he's not a good enough Superboy because he's got like, mo- he-, he has some mope times because he's a teenager. And Superboy Prime's like, if I wasn't in this heaven dimension, I'd be a way better Superboy. And at one point he says, you're not Superboy. You don't even have a cape. <laughs> that that is that is a good line. Mm. Oh, such a perfect moody teenager. <laughs> then we have a teen fight, but then people get killed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
West Side Story teen fight? What if the Superboys did like a snap? <laughs> man, gotta quickly change my <laughs> key of C accolade. Oh, man. <laughs> All right, what's your best line, Christy? Uh, my best line... It felt a little heavy-handed, but it also felt like it was probably fairly iconic for this event was Batman's line to Superman, but they need to be inspired. And let's face it, quotes Superman, the last time you really inspired anyone was when you were dead. And then you just hear everybody in the background go, oh! (laughs) (laughs) Oh. Yeah. I'm like, man, I don't fully understand the context for this, but it feels heavy. I do think to some extent the last... No, there were some good Superman stories. I don't know. You don't hear a lot about like late 90s, early 2000s, really rocking Superman stories. So he might have been right. I think the, the, the big Superman story in the 90s was the death of Superman. Well, there you go. Yeah, I don't know if that means he inspired anybody or what. I mean, he did inspire literally four Supermen. That was kind of one of the storylines that happened afterwards. Anyway. Well, speaking of inspiring heroes, who is your greatest hero? I'm going to go for Nightwing, the guy who was going to jump into Bloodhaven after they dropped chemo on it, even though it would have definitely killed him. And Batman's like, you know, there's like people with powers who can just, they can just go in there. It's really not. <laughs> you don't need to do that. And he's like, it's my city. And he also literally, like, one of the arguments that Batman used was, oh, that was Earth. Earth 2's so great, right? Is your Dick Grayson better than mine? And even Earth 2 Superman's like, nah, he's just, you're, he's, he's a perfect boy. I don't know what you, what you want me to say here. You have the greatest Dick Grayson, or at least an equally good Dick Grayson. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, my greatest hero, uh, I had to just give it to our whole entourage of speedsters. Oh, the, the, for, the, for shutting down Superboy Prime's temper tantrum. They literally just put him in like a cosmic timeout, which is pretty great. <laughs> yes. Oh, cosmic timeout. That's going to be the title of this episode. I got it again. <laughs> All right. What about coolest moment? My coolest moment is there's like a series of panels. And we, I, we, we didn't touch on some of the cool panel work in this. Oh, like, yeah. There's this bit where the Trinity are having a tiff while um, after he's been like beat up um, Mm -hmm. a lot and possibly killed uncle Sam is like laying face down in a puddle. Yeah. It's like, look priorities. Mm -hmm. Uh, But uh, there's a series of panels where uh, power girls trying to fight off the villains and it just shows them like, kind of like getting smashed smacked around in like a blur of red and then suddenly like superman appears with his arm outstretched. Oh yeah, that is really cool. It's very good. I love Earth 2 Superman. Mhm. And I think it's cuz he's like he's the dadinest Superman. Oh yeah, yeah. I think I think we talked about this in Crisis yeah, too. Yeah, he is just super dad. He's got gray <laughs> around his temples. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. So my coolest moment um I had to give uh, to, oh, her name is Linda? Yeah. Linda. Linda, uh, this is Wally West's wife. Yes, Linda Wally West's wife. uh, Linda Wally West's wife. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Uh, When she just totally makes the split second decision of like, "Uh uh-uh, you're not leaving us. 
we're coming with you. Smooch, I've got the babies. <laughs> yep, and the babies get they get explodey eyes. Their eyes like flicker. Gonna be little speedsters. I think they do turn into little speedsters. Someone, someone's gonna tweet me at this. Please don't. I'll look it up. <laughs> All right. So silly villainy. My silly villainy has to go to Superboy Prime for just just his temper tantrum. I I actually have the page with your best line on it. Oh, the he, he doesn't you even don't know. even wear a cape. Yep. Wow. Uh, what's her name from The Incredibles? It's like. <laughs> No capes. <laughs> no capes. My Crusher Curl Award for Silly Villainy goes to Alexander Luther for sending the bad guys after Power Girl to try to get her and then sending Superman to save See? her, <laughs> which is like layers. And maybe Superman acted on his own. I don't know. That seems like really brilliant plotting to get her to trust and go in on the plan to have superman rescue her he just there is such there's such scheming in this it is the scheminist schemes of right all the schemes. well what are you gonna do for when you're sitting alone for five years in heaven <laughs> just scheming scheming <laughs> gonna sit up past the pearly gates what's up jesus i'm scheming <laughs> oh. i've got plots all right let's talk about your key of c you, All right. you, had a, you had something planned. Yes, yes. Okay. Even though I felt like I needed to change it up for like a West Side Story super Superboy battle. Mm-hmm. Um, but my Key of C award would go to Power Girl. Mm-hmm. And I feel like the moment where she like absorbs all of the memories of Earth 2 and gets her past and gets her story, I feel like we needed a... Prior to this, she would have needed, like, a ballad where she, you know, was struggling with where she belongs, like, in this world and what her role is and what her purpose is. And then we get a big reprise after this where she remembers and she's found her purpose. Like, just really, like, belted out (laughs) power ballad here. Can you imagine, like, uh, a Broadway actress in a power girl outfit just really belting out this, like... Absolutely. You're like, yeah, not even. Um, this one's a Daily Double. I thought the exact same thing. <gasps> I wrote down Kara remembering. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, hit it, Matt D. Wilson. <laughs> I think it would just be per- She would be a perfect little, like, protagonist in our story. Like, you know, she's she's our plucky young heroine and the world's going wrong, but where does she really belong in this world? And then we have, you know, all of this wonderful ha- stuff happen. She gets her memories back. Things are looking hopeful. We go into Act 2, and then Act 2 ends with her up on the tower and what's going to happen now. Wouldn't that be Act 1? Well, no, no there's three, three acts. acts. So then My inter- apologies. Curtain. We, we picked the perfect spot for the curtain. Mm-hmm. The curtain would happen. What's going to happen to our girl, Power Girl? The people that have given her life meaning, have suddenly stripped it all away and betrayed her. Oh my goodness. It's it's beautiful. Readers, it's going to be wild when Christy uh, screen writes <laughs> a, a, a script for the Infinite Crisis stage musical. <laughs> oh, it'd be it'd be beautiful. We'd of course get a little like a little number with Batman and and Superman and Wonder Woman arguing while in the background we just have like blood spurts and death behind them as they're so absorbed in their own petty arguments. Would it be my least favorite thing, which is when people try to do slow mo on stage? 
<laughs> no, see, it would be uh, it would be all silhouettes. It would be um, behind uh, a scrim, so silhouette deaths behind. And there would just be like flashes of like the like a spot on the scrim, mm-hmm. and then like somewhere else. Yeah, or maybe not a spot. Maybe a backlight. It'd, it'd have to be a backlight. Yes, that's how that works. Mm-hmm. <laughs> My apologies. <laughs> that would be cool because I yeah, there was this like horrible habit that a particular director in our college <laughs> would do where they would love to do weird slow-mo stuff on stage and it was never good yeah. he did it in fights he did it in musical numbers and i don't understand it it doesn't look good when you are doing slow-mo no it just like, lo- it looks like when our it looks like you didn't practice it enough to do it full speed mm-hmm uh, and it's never as controlled and good as you want it to be. Yeah, I don't think so. It's like when our when our when our preschooler um, was done with gymnastics that day and put they put snail stamps on his feet and he moved really slowly <laughs> because he had snail stamps. He had snail feet. Oh, but that was cute. And the, the other slow mo stuff was not. Oh, but no, um, seriously, that was improv. Somebody... If you improv, if you improv slow mo, totally fine. If it is a practice thing. <laughs> Somebody hire me to workshop and direct the Infinite Crisis musical. I would make it better than Spider Man the musical. Whoa! (laughs) Nobody would. Nobody would get injured. What's the Spider Man musical subtitle? Oh, I don't remember. Light up the dark or something. I I don't know. Take back the night. Go back to Lion King. Spider Man colon (laughs) go back to Lion King. (laughs) I don't think that's what it was called. Oh, Julie Taymor did great stuff with Lion King, but should have stayed away from Spider-Man. I hear it was cool to watch, but it wasn't like particularly like like well well put together. Like seeing it is like a cool spectacle. Oh yeah, yeah. It's like when I saw the Lord of the Rings musical. Yeah, or like apparently Harry Potter and the Cursed Child. Terrible script, but actually seeing it live is kind of fun. Spectacle's always fun. Spectacle's always fun. However, you can have things like Wicked, which are spectacles and also pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to get people's wicked hot takes. Hmm. I don't want them. <laughs> <laughs> no wicked hot takes. Uh, uh, thank you, Charlie, so much for this accolade. It's so fun for me. Yeah, it is It is specifically a Christy-focused accolade. <laughs> Maybe the next one can be the the moment that is uh, that, that would be most translated into a wrestling promo. Oh, yep. that would be fun, too. Yep. All right. Patreon supporters. Get on it. Get on it. Make me do a thing I want to do. (laughs) (laughs) I really want to do this thing, but I won't unless you you pay pay me. me. (laughs) Speaking of things we won't do unless you pay us. (laughs) You can go to our Patreon at www.patreon.com slash Chris's pod. You can donate at all sorts of fun levels and get things like requesting your crossovers to be put in to be voted on or um, absolutely demanding a crossover or demanding a permanent accolade to be added to the show. Um, If we get to $30 a month, which is closer than I even want to admit, Mm -hmm. we will probably next Christmas (laughs) cover the, uh, the Muppets Christmas crossover. I don't know. Or maybe we'll do Christmas in July. That could be fun too. Mm-hmm. Um, I would, I would love to try to find a a version of the original broadcast, which has been heavily edited for um, any sort of video releases due to some weird licensing things. Yep. And then if we make it to, was it, 
was it 50 the next that you said we'd cover? Who Framed Roger Rabbit? Mm-hmm. No, wait, it might have been the opposite. Oh. I think it was the opposite. I think yeah, it, I think yeah. I said we do Who Framed Roger Rabbit at 30, and then Muppets at 50. Oh, okay. Sorry to get your hopes up. Yeah. But I, I think, in, think in our heads we thought, you know, by Christmas next year, maybe. Yeah. Maybe I, that's possible. Maybe. But Who Framed Roger Rabbit? That could be coming up. Yeah. Maybe I should actually put that on the Patreon, because you can put, like, Oh, yeah. Goals. You should definitely do that. I should definitely do that. <laughs> at $100, we I will cover Watchmen. cover Watchmen. <laughs> And at $200, we will cover Doomsday Clock. The but don't Watchmen worry, we sequel. won't get to $200 never. because um, once we get to 100 and I've got to read Watchmen, I'm probably done. <laughs> Christy will no longer want to read comics. <laughs> She'll be done I with can. the whole medium. <laughs> um, if you want to support us in a kind of one-time sense, you can go to www.ko-fi.com slash curses on infinite earths. Give us money in $3 increments, which we very much appreciate. Mm-hmm. That's kind of all the monetary ways you could support us. Yeah, but you can also support the podcast by reading and reviewing us on iTunes. Uh, that helps a ton, and we will definitely shout you out on the show and be eternally grateful for your support. You can also review us on Facebook or anywhere else you get your podcasts. Yeah, we're on pretty much everything. Mm-hmm. We're even on Spotify. That's where the cool kids are. You can find us on Twitter and Facebook at Chris's Pod. You can email us. At Chris is on infinite earths at gmail.com. You can also check out Chris and I's other work over at xavierfiles.com, uh, working on lots of different articles and write ups over there. Yep. I edit all the Marvel stuff, write a couple of articles. You write a couple of articles. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you to all you guys that, that, that read and support that as well. We are going to be at C2E2 this year. Oh, we are, yeah. So if you see us, definitely say hi. Uh, you would literally make our day if you were like, are you Chris and Christy from the Chris's on Infinite Earths podcast? Uh, we're pretty recognizable because I, I think, I mean, I use my picture of in my, my Twitter profile. Yeah, and I look exactly like my animated picture. Yeah. Maybe I could start using my actual picture. And nobody on Twitter does that. I feel weird every time I realize that I don't know what anybody else looks like, and I just am out there using my own face. Yeah. Well, we're going to be in a big group of other podcasters and comics people, so I feel like all together we're probably going to be a pretty recognizable bunch. You yeah. know, as recognizable as comic podcasters so are. If you close your eyes and walk around C2E2 and hear some familiar voices... <laughs> You have to blindfold yourself to let your other senses adjust. To really enhance them. Yeah. <laughs> um, you can also listen to Chris and I over on Battle of the Atom. Uh, not not both of us on the same episode, but we each had some episodes come out uh, with, with, with Zach over there. Mm-hmm. They Chris covers Onslaught. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I covered fun Gen X Christmas stuff. Yeah. It was fun either way. Mm-hmm. Chris is hilarious. I, I, I've been I've been listening to the episode. You're you're I mean you're both funny, but Chris is. I feel like Chris really like knocked it out of the park with his episode, and I I showed up. You were I showed up. You were very delightful. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you uh, to Zach for having us over there, and you can you can check us out there as well, readers. Yeah. And until next time, slay your enemies, and all you desire shall be yours. <laughs>